Craig Patrick once told me, this was a long time ago, this was at the Civic Arena, how much he loved having players on his roster on expiring contracts. If it was up to him, he would have had almost everybody playing on contracts like that. Well, guess what? There's pluses, but also minuses to it. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Admit it, you you cringe at least a little bit every time Brian Rust scores. You have to. You have to. If you're aware of what his contract status is, and if you're aware of what he would receive if he were to hit the open market, and then if you were further aware of the Penguins' own salary cap limitations and how it'd be yeah, I don't want to say impossible, but really, really hard to find a way to work him into a situation where you also have to pay Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and several other players. It can be that classic case of a good feeling that's intertwined with a whole lot of cringe to it. And for anyone who'd care to multiply that cringe component, go right ahead and picture the Penguins going through another, a fourth consecutive first-round playoff exit with this team, with this roster, with all these unrestricted free agents, and then one or more of them leaves without any compensation. Sticking just with Rust here, although you could easily kind of throw Latang into this as well. Picture what the trade market for one or both of those players would be over the next couple of weeks. And then picture what that trade market would be if you were confident, meaning the other team that would be making the trade, that you could sign and keep that player for more than just the stretch run the rest of the way this year. What are we talking about here? We're talking about some significant draft capital that would be coming this way. Or a significant prospect or two. Someone who's already in somebody's system. Somebody who's already a little more advanced. A little closer to helping you out. That's not nothing. And at the same time, it never really comes up, does it? I don't talk about it. I'll bet you don't talk about it. By the way, you know who else doesn't talk about it? Right. Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. There is exactly a 0.0000% chance of the Penguins making a trade even remotely like what I just described. And it's kind of telling, I think, as to why that is. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. 
for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Here's something important to know, and this was something that was told to me a couple of months ago in Toronto by a member, high-ranking member of the front office. And it goes like this. We have Sidney Crosby for at least another three years. That's how long his contract goes. Every year that Sid's here, we see and we will treat as an opportunity to win another Stanley Cup. When you have a player like that, and when he's continuing to perform and to produce the way he is, you would be nuts to not try to compete for a cup each of those years. Now, you can do that, as this individual would go on to explain, without giving away all of your future reserves, you know, sending out every draft pick you got, giving up every promising prospect as they begin to develop. That was more the Jim Rutherford approach, and to Jim's credit, and I'll give him credit for it into eternity, it worked. There's banners up there to show for it. There's rings on their fingers to show for it. It worked. Might not work as effectively now. You are closer to the end of Crosby's career than you were when Jim took over. and There has to be a sense of responsible stewardship that works its way in. But for now, for now, it continues to be about the cup. When you see this hockey team take the ice, including tomorrow night against the Florida Panthers, who just might be the favorite to win the cup in 2022, you're going to see a team in which Hextall and Burke and everyone above them believe. And by that, I mean they believe that they can win right now. And they see greater value in hanging on to a Rust or a Latang, even in the event, and mark my words on this, even in the event that we'd find out someday that they knew they weren't keeping Latang specifically, they would still place a greater priority on whatever it is that Latang could offer them right now than on whatever they'd get in a potential trade return. Because remember, that comes with value too. If Latang is here in Pittsburgh and he's a driving force in a long playoff run that gives you at least a chance to win the cup, that's a heck of a thing to not give up in a trade, even if someone was going to offer you a first rounder or a prospect or some combination of all that. And think about this too. Think about being the GM who pulls the plug on a team that's done what this one has already, because that's the way it would be interpreted Not just by you, not just by me, but by everyone in that locker room. And it would change everything. And you would eliminate, I think, any chance of this team competing. You never know. 
never know what could have come of it. come back, just one question. Just one question, but today, I think this is the first time I've ever done this, I'm going to compile just two questions because they're on a similar note, but they bring up different and vital points. The first is from David Thomas, who asks, is there any chance Mark Friedman stays in the lineup when everyone is healthy? And the other one comes from Dean Gething, and Dean asks, is Friedman's edginess having a negative influence on Latang? such as the fight in Tampa and the undisciplined penalty in Raleigh. And I have a feeling that these two concepts might be connected. See, remember that we're dealing with a head coach who isn't fond of any of the stuff that a lot of us, myself included, at times have liked about Friedman's game. The Penguins are a team that can drive you a little bit crazy and almost never shoving back, almost never responding, or for that matter, agitating and having the other team try to kill the agitator as opposed to going after Sid or Jake or whoever. So when we see Friedman do it, when we see him really get under the other team's skin. And then he couples that with you know pretty good play, which also kind of matters. He can feel like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, that's good. The Penguins needed someone like that. He reminds me of dot, 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 so-and-so from the past. But the problem here, and this is what I liked about combining these questions, is that it can be a slippery slope. It can be a situation where, all right, the other team's really gotten fired up. Now there's pushing and shoving after every whistle. Now they're going to take a shot at this guy or that guy, maybe run at our goaltender, who knows what. But that's when you'll start seeing players who matter a lot more than Friedman maybe start to lose their own control. Am I going to sit here and blame Friedman for Latang getting into a fight with Braden Point the other night in Tampa? No. Am I going to sit here and blame Friedman or anyone else for Latang's rock-headed penalty that cost the Penguins the game the other night in Raleigh? Wow, no. Even though Jean Hebert really butchered that call, the blame still has to go on Latang. It's his responsibility. Not Friedman's, for sure. However, I can tell you, both of you, that the only way this head coach would consider giving Friedman regular duty over anyone on the current defense corps, and if you get right down to it, the only player that we're talking about ultimately, is Chad Ruedel, and Ruedel's been really good. So Ruedel would have to go through some kind of lousy stretch. It wouldn't be to keep Mike Matheson out 
okay, Matheson's been quite good, and Matheson can do things that neither of the two individuals I just mentioned can dream of. But Sullivan isn't going to play players that he sees as a risk unless, you know, they're great players, unless it's someone like a Latang. Even then, he'll seethe, he'll bite off every syllable the way he did whenever I asked him the other night in Raleigh about Latang's mistake. But he'll cope, he'll put up with it. He knows those guys are as talented as they are. And there's some stuff that you as a head coach just have to grudgingly accept. You don't bench them. You keep playing them. Not so for Mark Friedman. And the moment he crosses the line himself or his head coach sees him carrying others across that line, that'll be the end of Friedman once everyone's healthy. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one tomorrow.